With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you start at ExpressPros.com. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb, you know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, that's the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from three to 6 PM. Eastern time. That's 12 to three Pacific on Fox sports radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I will tell you this. My wife, kids, and I, we miss fall, like real fall, Connecticut fall, 12 of the last 16 years of my life I spent uh, in the nutmeg state. Uh, but um, you know what's better than cool, crisp air of fall, 70 degrees during the day, 45, 50 at night? It's about 80 degrees yesterday. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Oh, man. Welcome into the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, by the way, if you want to download the All Ball podcast, some great stuff on it this week. Keith Smith joined me. He does the Celtics blog. And uh, my boy, D. Mc D. Clinton, uh, Dare McClinton, uh, who has his own podcast. He's a personal trainer. 
coaches AAU teams, former pro ball player in the DMV, give him the lowdown on, on uh, the D.C. area. We talk some hoops. It's the All Ball Podcast. And we have a loaded, loaded, loaded show for you. Let's start with last night. Do we have the tape yet on yesterday's uh, picks of the games? All right. Ryan Music was doing um, a celebratory dance last night as the Raiders got pummeled by the 49ers. Full disclosure, I truly believe, and I have not heard the tape yet, I truly believe that I was picking the Niners. The, the spread, in spite of the fact that an unknown, untested quarterback was starting for the 49ers because of, I mean, everything I'd seen from the Raiders and trading away Amari Cooper and the fact that I know they would prefer to lose as opposed to win. I thought I was picking the Niners. Take a listen. End of the show yesterday, we made our picks. Here it was. What about you there, Ryan Music? I love the 49ers tonight. Give me the Niners. I'm going to go the Raiders. Wow, that was edited. Is that what you guys did to me? I had no idea what you're talking about, Doug. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You guys just completely cheated. I don't think so, That's Ramos. not even a good edit. Ramos, Ram- come on. Ra- Ramos, how are you? And and if you guys don't know, John Ramos is a very, very well-respected technical director, not just for Fox Sports Radio, but in, in the entire radio world. That's the best bad editing you could do. Uh, I I have uh, I did not touch anything uh, on there personally, John. I did not. I John. I, nothing, I did not. John, I, you did not touch anything I personally. Did not touch. Is any that, of that audio. is that is that the is that originally how it sounded, John? Uh, <laughs> there you uh, go. That, yeah, the yeah, pregnant I, pause is all I need. <laughs> Thank you. And look, I, I I understand that in the moment it feels awful. In the moment, John Gruden seems like an idiot. In the moment, you can declare the 10-year, $100 million contract to seem like the dumbest contract in the history of sports. By the way, the Raiders, of course, Namdi Asmawai, $16 million a year, completely changed the course of history. That's what made Darrell Rivas have to get paid so much and ultimately led to him uh, going to Tampa and then to New England and back to the Jets. It wouldn't be the first bad contract they've ever handed out. But the fact is that this is one of the reasons he had to be paid for 10 years and $100 million. If you're going to go through tanking, truly shedding any sort of viable asset and all the viable contracts for the future so that you have cap space and draft picks, you're going to take a beating Like, why would they give him? This is why, you idiots! He's doing it for a reason. Well, you know, it doesn't work. Who's undefeated in the NBA? Dan Byer will tell you. It's his Milwaukee Bucks. Go back and look at what the... They lost last night, but they were the last undefeated team in the NBA. Why? Because they got Giannis, they shed salary cap space, they got draft picks, they loaded up on talent, and I don't think they're the best team in the East, but they've gotten a lot better. You know who preceded them in tanking? That would be the Boston Celtics. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers weren't the first ones to trust the process. We've seen this before. The, The Houston Astros did it. 2013, 
they were talking about, well, this is what a joke. It's bad for baseball. They're not competitive. This trying to be bad thing is stupid. Didn't they win the World Series last year? Like, I, 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 all right, fine. You need business? Marvel Comics. Have you seen a Marvel movie this year? The question isn't, have you, have you seen a Marvel movie? Have you seen a movie that wasn't a Marvel movie this year, right? Um, and so you, you look at Marvel. Did you know Marvel declared bankruptcy in the mid-90s? Did you know Apple nearly declared bankruptcy? Donald Trump, of course, was pointed out when he was on the campaign trail, declared bankruptcy four different times with his company. Whether it's Chapter 11 or whether it's tanking, this is a business practice that has been proven to work. And the only thing more proven than the idea of the process of tanking is that during the time in which you hit rock bottom, everyone's going to be pointing at the, the finger at the person who's leading the ship down, knowing they're going to lead the ship back up. Here's John Gruden before the game. It was a great interview with Howie Long in the NFL on, on Fox. Here's what Gruden said before the game. I got a cell phone just like you and everybody else. Right. And I get a lot of phone calls from people that are dying to come and play here. I'm just telling you, they're dying to play for the Raiders. Yeah. And uh, to have salary cap space and to have a chance to talk to the people that you really want to wear the silver and black, the guys you really want to wear the silver and black and represent this team, that's exciting. He Here's Gruden after the game. Well, I'm just trying to get people excited about the, the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders is a great organization. I know it's not looking pretty right now, but I've heard a lot of negativity, you know, over the last six or seven months, and rightfully so. We're going to build a championship football team here, and I know a lot of people as players, as fans, and, you know, just in general want to be a part of this. There's a line from The Usual Suspects. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Usual Suspects fan. One of... I don't know if you go top five. I think probably uh, top five. The only issue with the usual suspects is I think the first time you see it, the ending makes you want to see it the second time. And maybe there's a third time in it. I'm not sure if it's as easy to repeat. It's like the sixth sense. You know, once you know about the end of the sixth sense, you go back and you watch the movie one more time and then you're kind of tapped out. John Gruden conv- has convinced people the entire time he's had this job that he wants to compete to win and not just compete to win, compete to win now. That's really what's at issue. It's not that they're tanking because they're doing so in glorious fashion, right? They have five first round picks over the next two years and at least $70 million in cap space in the coming season. That is genius. That is brilliant. That is beautiful. The difference is he's convinced you that he's not tanking, which reminds me of this line. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick that John Gruden ever pulled was convincing you that he was trying to win now. When everything else he's doing, it's not what he's saying, it's what he's doing. No, 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 we want to win now, we want to win championships, we want to win this year. Yeah, but uh, John, you just trade away your two best assets for first-round draft picks. No, we want to win now. Yeah, but John, you have $70 million in cap space in the coming year. No, we want to win now. John, you have a 10-year contract. What would be the rush in winning now? We want to win now. 
the most amazing thing Gruden has done is convince you he's not tanking when he's clearly tanking and doing a fantastic job at it. And oh yeah, by the way, while some of you look at it and go, oh, the team quit on him. And this is great. The only way to truly find out who he wants to have wear silver and black is if you've got nothing to play for except for pride itself and your own future and you're not willing to compete, I, I don't really want you. If you During this time of adversity, he can figure out what's what, who's who, and who he wants to go to war with. He's artificially created all of this adversity to where they get, you know, in which they, they get completely eviscerated last night by a quarterback who no one could pick out of a line. Hell, how great is the story? He, his Twitter account wasn't verified before last night. I don't know how many um, followers you have to have to have your Twitter account verified. Do we, do we know the stat on that? Do we know how that actually works? But Nick Mullins went from, I've never actually heard of Nick Mullins. If you tell me he's in the NFL, fine, too. Oh, my God, Nick Mullins might be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's wearing Brett Favre's number. Brett Favre calls him. Twitter account gets verified. People are talking about, well, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to come back. Look what C.J. Beathard did. Look what Nick Mullins did. That's how, and, and you think it's that type of embarrassment Either you get up and show you still want to play or you quit. And the dudes that quit, he's going to be done with at the end of the year. And the guys that don't are still going to wear the Raider uniform. That's what we said about him losing the locker room. Last week, the reports, people were ticked, right? Oh, you're getting rid of Amari Cooper. You're trying to lose now. Let's see how you handle it. I know how you're going to handle success. Everybody handles success great. It's, it's real. If we're winning and it's everything's good. It's when we're losing. Who's pointing fingers. Who's quitting on roots. When you're down 34 to three, who's still playing hard. Those are the guys who will remain. He's created this artificial environment of angst against coaches and front office and fans and even each other. And the strongest will, in fact, survive. And those are the guys he'll take with him. But John Gruden's convinced you because he said over and over again that they're not tanking. And because you believe that no, no, no guy who loves football would ever try and lose a game. He didn't try, have to try and lose a game. You get rid of enough good players and you're not that good to begin with, you're going to lose football games. You play enough young guys, you're going to lose football games. And so you don't like it. Okay. Marvel Comics, 1996. What'd they do? They were all about comic books. They declared bankruptcy. They started focusing on movies. There is no more powerful name in Hollywood than Marvel Comics right now. Think about Apple. 97, they were almost declared bankruptcy. Microsoft bailed them out because Microsoft was worried that they would be considered a monopoly if Apple went under. So what Apple do, they changed, they diversified. They went to this thing called the iPod, which became the iPhone, which has revolutionized smartphones. And you tell me a room that doesn't have an Apple logo on it. Oh yeah, by the way, they brought back Steve Jobs, who had won for them in the past. Just the same way the Raiders had with John Gruden. Last time the Raiders were good, last time the Raiders were relevant, guess who is in charge? 
So I understand it feels really icky. It feels like a, like a, this is a disaster. This is, yeah, intentionally so. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I don't know what I enjoy more uh, with Facebook, going back and checking out old pictures or watching John Middlecoff just lay into the Raiders on a weekly basis on on his Facebook page. Download his Three and Out podcast. It's uh, right next to my All Ball podcast, part of the Herd Podcast Network. Of course, used to work in a front office in the National Football League and now is basically your your sage guide into the National Football League here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. My my take is this. I, I, I realize they didn't do a good job in the draft this year, but I didn't think the Raiders were going to win the AFC West this year. And Gruden took the big contract, one, because that's the only way to get him out of TV, but two, it's the only way to survive tanking. And when you step back and not look at it as John Gruden and you say, hey, $70 million in cap space with five first-rounders over the next two years, it's glorious the tanking they're pulling off and maybe even more surprising how people don't realize they're tanking. What's your take? Well, here's the thing, Doug. In basketball – you can tank because you can really control it with the personnel. In football, Gruden has attempted to do that kind of similarly this year. I think the, the things I would question is no player in football, especially Derek Carr, is trying to lose these games. And coaches on game day, like he's calling these games attempting to win. He tried to win that game last night. He did not try to lose to Nick Mullins, a third-string quarterback. And I think the other big red flag is, one, I I don't think any team in the league would have traded Khalil Mack beside John Gruden. The Amari Cooper one's not crazy, and you got to give him credit. That's good value. The problem is his resume as a draft picker, Mm -hmm. you know, as the general manager, is not good. So you go, yeah, he's got five picks, which is by far the most amount of first-rounders over these next two years any one team has. It's just who's the guy picking the players? Because Gruden has proven I I actually think he can be a good offensive coach if you get him if he gets better players. But who's going to get him the better players? Because he struggles at that element of the job. And that when you pay a guy hundred million dollars, he's in control. He, he's going to be picking these players. That, that that would be my big question mark. It, it's a fair question mark. What about Nick Mullins? How much of this is the Raiders are bad and they quit? How much of it is Kyle Shanahan's a wizard? And how much of it is, hey, you know what? Maybe the kid who threw for 4,000 yards during his junior year can actually play. I think it's a combination of all those things. I think the Raiders defensively are, I saw a tweet this morning, statistically giving up the most yards per play in the history of the league. So, I mean, they're bad. I think, two, Kyle now in a year and a half has won NFL games with three quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, you'd say, well, most coaches could win a game. True. C.J. Beathard, no. He's won multiple games with C.J. Beathard. That's decently impressive. But to win a game with your third-string quarterback, I I give you some credit. A guy that not only had never thrown an NFL pass, he'd never taken an NFL snap. Cool moment last night with Aaron Andrews, with Favre on the set calling in. That's just third-string. You know, Doug, they, they just don't win many games. One, they don't ever play. And two, when they do play, they look unserviceable. They, they look like you can't even function as an offense. Again, playing a terrible defense, but a short week, basically getting becoming a game-time decision or finding out you know, the night before. That's, I, I give Kyle and I give Nick, who I was texting with a guy in their front office, they're like, God, he works really hard 
clearly. You know, he had prepared for the opportunity, but usually opportunities with backup quarterbacks do not go that well. No, they go about like they've gone for the Buffalo Bills, for Derek Anderson, right? That's, that's more par for the course. The, 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 the Buffalo Bills, someone told me earlier today, they're on pace for six throwing touchdowns for the entire season. Six. Nick Mullins last night, again, playing the Raiders, three touchdowns. So you name me how many coaches in, in NFL history have won a game with their third-string guy. We've seen a lot of guys win games with backup, but third-stringer, they just don't ever play. And, and again, when they play, they look atrocious. Like, there is no, to me, there's no comparison. Kyle Shanahan is in a different world as a coach than John Gruden, which, back to the Raiders, is a problem because you're in this for 10 years. He, Gruden has all the juice. He's already traded good players. Like, I... Like, I, I know Kyle can work with players. I, I do question, Doug, can, can John work with the modern player? I mean, we just saw what he said with Howie Long about how players are lined up to come to the Raiders, and then he was asked after the game, like, don't you feel that affected your team? You know, I, these guys that just basically just quit on you hearing you say that, and he claimed no. To me, he almost feels collegiate. Like, he, he's more suited for college. Like, in the NFL – you don't need to sell yourself money. The Raiders have a ton of cap space. You just pay guys. They show up. They'll play for you. Gruden's almost, I don't know, it feels like he's becoming a caricature of himself. Oh, now that part, there's no question, right? That's what happens when you're on TV is you fail to see where the TV character there, There's There's one fam, really, really famous broadcaster uh, who, you know, like the real guy I really, really liked, but he ceased to be the real guy. He became the TV person, and that one was hard. And I think Gruden's a little bit like that. You know, people are like, oh, I love the Chucky thing, and you you kind of become a caricature of the person that used to exist. Like, John, Doug, do, you, do, you, do you think he's a good coach? Like at this, like right I, now? I do think, I think he's a good football guy. Um, I think that, do I think this was ultimately like the perfect plan? No, but I also think that as it became more and more obvious, they didn't have the cash. I think they, here's what I, I, I actually know is they didn't properly prepare for how much Khalil Mack would be worth or thought he would be worth. 100%. And so they overspent on the free agent market in the short term so that they were cash strapped. And then when they realized that he wasn't bluffing and it wasn't going to end well, they said, well, if we get two first-round picks, and they didn't think anybody would give them two first-round picks, and they got them. And so they moved on, and they moved into this, all right, look, we weren't really good even when we made the playoffs two years ago. The division was down, and we went for it on fourth down and went for two a bunch and got it. Uh, but in order to get really good, this is the way we need to do it. So uh, I-, I think he's a good football guy. Do I think he drafted well? No. Do I think he signed great free agents? No. Um, but... But a little bit of it is a numbers game, right? Even the best guys can miss on people, and one hundred eventually, and, and eventually you get it right. Let, let me let's let's go around the league here. So Hugh Jackson goes on uh, first take today, and backing up some of his comments to Mary Kay Cabot yesterday, essentially says, "Hey, look, I never got a chance to run my offense because our players aren't any good, right? They weren't the guys that I that I wanted." Hugh Jackson. You know, throwing previous and current personnel guys kind of under the bus and taking not a lot of accountability in terms of his failures as a head coach. Does he actually have a point? I mean, it sure doesn't feel like it because at the time, he there there are previous comments that he made saying, you know, I liked Wentz, I just didn't think he was worth the number two pick, 
And again, it's hard to totally tell unless you truly know Hugh, and even people that know Hugh kind of say that he talks out of both sides of his mouth, that was he just trying to be a good company guy? Did he truly believe in the process? Did he get screwed a little bit with the way that Sashi and the tanking happened? For sure. Did it turn out that Hugh is really over his head as a head coach? 100%. Uh, I think it's a combination of both things. But I, I do think that him going on this rant now, trying to make it look like Hugh, you were given now three years, and this year's team, like you, you lost to the Raiders when, when you were kicking their butt, like they came back and beat you. And I, I can't, no coach in like, probably in NFL history, I think he statistically has the second worst losing percentage ever. Like Hugh, you, you, you should not have lost as many games. The, the year they went, I think it was two years ago when they won one game. I somehow that year w- ended up watching a lot of Browns games. They easily should have been a five or six win team. Again, no no one thinks you're a playoff guy, Hugh. Right. But you the, the should same, not... same. Hey, this this year they should have won four or five games. Oh, easily. Like part part of the reason you you're tying these games is on you. Like if you just are a little more buttoned up. I had always heard around the office they're just very discombobulated. They're they're not very. De- he's not a detail oriented guy. You know, this year's pretty, you know, proven. He's an offensive guy, but they had to bring in an offensive coordinator. But we have, in fairness to Hugh, the one year that he was with, he had Andy Dalton role on that Cincinnati, you know, team looked excellent on offense. It's not like their head coach, Marvin Lewis, is a defensive guy. So that was all Hugh. So everyone's like, oh, maybe he is really good, but it's proven that he's not. You know, that, that year might have been more of an anomaly than Hugh, some excellent coach. And he's also a pretty big me me guy, throw you under the bus guy, which, yep. you know, in football, you got to be, and that's my, back. To, I'm not trying to keep this on Gruden, but Gruden's kind of got a little bit of that. As a head coach, you got to just always take the arrows, even though when you know you're not in the wrong, it's just part of the job. That's why you make all no. that money, it's the team dynamics, and I just think certain guys really struggle at it. You know, it's, it's interesting, and here's McVeigh, who's been given so much credit for turning around the Rams. You listen to him post-game, and it's completely about the players. You know, I, I listened to him post-game. I got in my car. I was driving around after watching the game, went out to get a cu- cup of coffee. And I'm listening to him post-game uh, locally in Los Angeles. And uh, all he says is, you know, our offense wasn't, that's on me. I put us in some bad situations. I made some terrible calls. You know, f- uh, luckily, you know, guys like Todd and look at the defense. He started naming guys who made big plays. And it's it's really... It doesn't mean you have to. You have to appear to be sincere, even if you're like, yeah, actually, we kind of made some adjustments yeah, as coaches, it, it right? Go, it goes a long way, even if you're lying. Andy Reid is the best at it. Same way. I mean, he never talks about himself. He always talks about other guys, even when that guy probably doesn't deserve as much credit as he's going to give them. But you know, these young players, they, they, they read the the. They see it on Twitter. They know that means a lot to when the when an assistant coach gets a little credit, when a backup linebacker gets a little credit in a press conference. Even things that you know I take for granted, this is an innocuous coach comment, means something to the quarterback coach or means something to the nickel corner. And the coaches, even when you lose, like you kind of go over the top of like taking on all the blame on yourself and giving it to the other guy, really impacts guys that are in their mid twenties or a coach that's you know trying to be on the come up. And I, I think that's McVeigh's been excellent at that. I I've watched every press conference Kyle Shanahan gives. And they have not won many games clearly this year, and he's been really good at it. These younger coaches sometimes you would think can be overwhelmed by the pressure of it, actually feel almost more better suited in this day and age. 
Um, also, here is a comment he made. Uh, John Middlecoff, our guest, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. John's a former scout in the NFL. Download his three and out podcast. He said this in regards to Baker Mayfield. I think you have to do everything you can to make him successful. I think you have to go back to Oklahoma um, and um, and see what what they did uh, and use all the concepts that made him the number one number one pick in the draft. That's what's going to make him the best version of him. I, I will I will uh, I will say that's exactly what um, essentially what a GM told me is that look when he's at Oklahoma they designed a system where he could be successful and. They had better personnel than the than most of the teams they played, and that's and he had complete grasp of all their concepts. Like Baker's good, but there's there's a ceiling there that's a little bit lower because you got to put him in specific. That that though feels to most people like a shot at Baker. What's your reaction? Yeah, I mean it is a it was a bold pick at number one overall. I think anyone I know you watch that conference and that team play a lot. I mean, he Baker was a baller in college and he deserved to me to be a first round pick. But when you take a guy number one overall, you think he can be a star. I mean, a consistent pro bowler at his height. Uh, now he is really accurate. He's not a great athlete. Uh, he did benefit. He played in arguably the most stable football power in the country and they even had a coaching turnover and it didn't even feel that weird it was like they just hit the ground running with Lincoln Riley and like you said they play in a loaded team think about this year I'm going to give Baker somewhat of a pass this season because I don't think he's played very well the last three or four weeks when in NFL history has a rookie starting quarterback that was a high first round pick had his head coach and his offensive coordinator fired on the same day I mean it's got to be I I think that didn't the Rams do that did that w- w- when? Two years ago, when they fired Jeff Fisher. But but Jeff Fisher is more of a defensive guy. Like I know, but thing- didn't they fire? Didn't they fire the offensive coordinator as well? I'm I'm trying to trying to think. I mean that that offense was a joke. It was so it, that was they might have the Jared, Go- Jared, okay. Go- Jared Goff. Uh, I, I believe his rookie year offense was like, hey, you guys go out and get open, go long. No, but, a, but I think go that, long. That, okay, so the Rams might actually might have done that. But that's a good example of. You almost just have to give the guy a pass. And I think that's why this offseason is going to be like, I mean, I don't know where you stand on this. I, I think Lincoln Riley wouldn't even waste the time interviewing with the Browns. How would he leave Oklahoma to go to the Browns? I, uh, I think here's, here's, a, here's a question I have, John. They're taking on the Chiefs. You go one of two ways. They're, they're a good running team. Okay? They've shown themselves to be a good running team this year. Um, I kind of feel, though, no offensive coordinator, no head coach. Do they go bowl game offense, right? Where you're like, dude, just bet the over because they're going to go out and yeah, sling it. Is, isn't that what they do I mean, tonight, this week against the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I just think the Chiefs are just so much better. But you no, never no, know. I'm not I mean, saying they win the game, but I'm just saying in terms of style-wise, one of two things. Like, the way to beat the Chiefs is probably to keep them off the field, to run the football, long drives. But considering the coaching change and some of the questions about Baker and whatever and the limitations of the previous offense, like they're like, hell with it. Who cares? Let's go oop de oop. Right? Let's four on one side, one on the other, and let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly what Baker's comfortable with, right? Like what you said in Oklahoma. I, yeah, I don't hate it. I, why not? You, get, you have nothing to lose. You also have a coach in Greg Williams whose ego is as big as any coach in like NFL history. Why, why not? I mean, he wants this job. He does. He wants to keep it, stay, be a head coach. This w- he would get a lot of credit if somehow they beat the right. If they beat the Chiefs, like like you said, they just throw it around the yard and win thirty-seven to thirty-two or something. He would get he, he would get a ton of positive uh, pub. I just don't. I mean, this Kitchens guy has never called plays in his life. I know the other problem. 
The other problem is if you don't have like the Baker concepts installed, you know, already in your offense, a, a big part of them, it'd be hard just to kind of do it in a short week when all these coaches got fired. So it could go the other way. You could attempt to do it, and it could look even worse. All right, I got a, a bunch of quick ones. All right, Steelers, Ravens, Ravens go in and beat them, and Joe Flacco is like, dude, I thought it could have been a lot worse. I didn't. I, I missed on a bunch of throws. This one's in Baltimore. Ravens in a bad spot after losing two in a row uh, when Justin T- Justin Tucker missing the kick two weeks ago. Who do you like? I like the Steelers. I mean, I think John Harbaugh. I mean, tick tock. This thing's about to end for him in Baltimore. I just don't think the Ravens. Something's just off about them, and I liked them early in the season. But you watch them the last couple weeks. I mean, they just got their butt kicked. I, I think the Steelers are now rolling. I, I just the Steelers lost to them earlier in the season on that Sunday night game. Like you said, I, I think they. I like the Steelers just to start rolling off wins. Pete Carroll, they they seem to have found some more no-name guys that can play against the Chargers who no one really wants to buy into, even though we should buy into them, and they still don't have Joey Bosa. Can the Chargers go in front of the 12th man and get a win? I think they can. I mean, I'm a believer this year in the Chargers, but for some reason I kind of like Pete, man. He's got this team just playing hard. Russell's playing well. That place a couple weeks ago, I mean, when the Rams went in there, was rocking, kind of old school 12. they could have won that game, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that to me is easily the best loss of the season for any team. That was really impressive. I, I think they take this game really I think the Chargers can lose this game, and I still take them seriously. I like Seattle. All right, Packers-Patriots, pick one quarterback, Brady or Rodgers. Uh, Brady, not even close. Not even close? I mean, for me, I, well, I don't hesitate making the decision. I'm not saying that Rodgers is not a great all-time player, but it's, it's without hesitation, Tom Brady. Why? I just think he's the total package. You know, it'd be like you asking me Kobe or Duncan. I wouldn't even flinch, and I'd take Duncan. I think there's more to the quarterback than just, I mean, Rodgers, he's the Dan Marino of my generation or whatever. Now I know he's one, so he's like a combination of Marino and Elway, but there's just something about Montana that just most people put him on a different level from being a teammate, from and Brady's the highest level of just it all. And I also think that when we talk about him like that, it almost discounts how great, great, of a pocket, how elite he is as a quarterback. Where Rodgers, there is, you know, he can get off and do his own thing, which a lot of times works, but he's not the easiest guy to deal with. And again, I like Rodgers. I mean, he's probably top five, six quarterback ever, but we're talking about Tom. Awesome. Uh, Incredible stuff. John Minnokoff, Three and Out is the podcast and the Herd Podcast Network. John Lovett, keep ranting on Facebook. I'll keep watching. Thanks for joining us. Doug Gottlieb, next head coach of the Lakers. (laughs) <laughs> probably probably not but i know who Absolutely might be we'll, we'll talk about it a little later thanks john be sure to catch live editions of the doug gottlieb show weekdays at noon eastern 3 p.m pacific i think it stands to reason i mean like how many coaches has lebron james been through even if you go back to cleveland when he won 61 games his final year in cleveland the first time around remember they fired mike brown before he'd ever anna- before LeBron had announced that he wasn't coming back to Cleveland and going to Miami. Fired him. Why? Because the, the best guess was that LeBron didn't want to play for Mike Brown. Then he goes to Miami, and while Eric Spolster was his coach for the entirety of those four years, if you remember back during his first year, he, he challenged Spolster's authority. There was a story that came out about six months ago that, that in fact, was real, that LeBron did go in it was in uh, Pat Riley's new book where he's like, look, LeBron did, you know, ask me if I thought about coming back to coach. So Spolstra, because he had the support of Riles, 
ended up keeping his job. He comes back. David Blatt's his head coach. We know how that ended. Now the story comes out that after losing a couple games, really, defensive numbers aren't good. Three-point shooting numbers aren't good. Magic Johnson had a special meeting with Luke Walton. Here's Luke Walton moments ago. I feel like I have a great relationship with management, yes. Do you feel like you have job security? I feel like I'm coming down here to do my job and coach, and I don't I don't feel like I'm going anywhere, no. Look, do, do I think that Magic wants to fire Luke Walton? I don't. But on the other hand, this is a results-based business. He did not, and Rob Palinka did not hire Luke Walton. The only two guys in that building that weren't brought on by the current staff. Remember, we'd said new president uh, in college, new, new athletic director in college. Luke Walton's got the same thing. Luke Walton's got new player, star player, and he's working for a different general manager and a different president than the ones that hired him. He and Brandon Ingram, the only, they're like the last of the Mohicans. Now, is it fair to point out that the, the, the Lakers are playing at a very fast pace? That the Lakers' offensive efficiency is actually ninth in the league? And that they're kind of adjusting to learn, LeBron's adjusting to learning to playing for a new coach with a new team? And that they're all learning, that's fine. But th- that doesn't mean that, <laughs> that doesn't mean that, that, uh, that Magic's okay with it. They play with the fourth fastest pace in the NBA. Atlanta, by the way, who got their asses kicked by Sacramento last night, plays at the fastest pace in the NBA. Their defensive efficiency, ooh, not good. 22nd in the NBA. So could this be a stern talking to? Sure. But this is the kind of the progress of events. Like you don't, this is like in business when a guy does something wrong. You don't get fired for the first time you do something wrong. You get fired because we warned you, we warned you, we warned you, and then something came out. We fired you. That's how I feel about this with Luke Walton. That's how I feel how it works. Where early on, it's LeBron, or maybe not LeBron, it's uh, Magic saying, look, you got to get them playing better defense. You got to get figure this thing out. You got to get more out of Brandon Ingram, who's not playing well. Figure out a way to get it done as they go and take on the Portland Trailblazers on the road. Figure out a way to close games as they almost gave away one to Dallas. Big stretch for them because, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's a big stretch, is be- not because of the game against Portland, because the game against Toronto. Magic Johnson wants them to look good, look sharp, feel good, feel sharp, feel like they have great spirit when Kawhi Leonard comes into their building this Sunday night. But it doesn't feel like like uh, he's going to get fired right now. It feels like the first in what will be two or three warning kind of shots across the bow before ultimately they come for. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, let's bring in Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst for Fox Sports. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Joel, I haven't heard your opinion on this. What's DJ Durkin has been fired after being reinstated by the Board of Regents at Maryland. Obviously, you cover uh, among conferences you know on a very uh, firsthand basis, Pac-12, Big 12, and Big 10. What do you think about what went down at Maryland? Oh, gosh. Um, well, for, first of all, I, I thought it was strange that 
they were this blind to, meaning the administration and the Board of Regents, blind to what was happening within the team. You know, say what you will about the, the coverage uh, of this week or even the fan sentiment. And, and I think what ultimately maybe they weren't expecting was the division and, and really, I think, a better term, the fracture within the team. Um, so uh, I think some would have argued that, oh, you know, this is them stating that winning is above everything. But th- th- that's where I actually thought it was interesting because reinstating reinstating him I thought was going to be harder to, than to firing win. Him. I yeah. thought moving on was going to be the best way to do this. One, because you don't fracture the team. And two, you and I both know that would have been used as the first you know, bullet in the chamber for the opposing recruiting staffs. You know, so you can't recruit if you're DJ Durkin. So there's a, I mean, shoot, man, there's so many different angles you can take on this. But just from that standpoint, I was shocked that they did it just based on that, much less just the, the human element, the, the responsibility element, all of those. Um, and I, I, I guess, I guess the question like is, I, I get the correct co- conclusion. I, I guess the question is this. Uh, I, I read the report because I, um, I really want to know what it actually said. And the, the report didn't really link Dink Durkin to any of this. Uh, obviously, what happens is there were some that didn't like the strength coach, and the strength coach had uh, some accusations. Right, here's why I had a problem with that report, Doug. And, and, you, and you and I, we have firsthand knowledge of, of this. The strength coach for any head coach is – his chief of staff, if you will. I mean, it is his wingman. wingman. It's, it's generally the number one hire for anybody, and, and a lot of times even maybe in the basketball sense, but certainly in the football sense. And, and so when I read the report, yeah, the report from a technical perspective absolved some of what DJ was involved with and what he wasn't involved with. But my problem is, is that I'm so tired of these coaches in a multitude of different sports claiming responsibility for all the wins and getting paid millions upon millions of dollars. And then when anything goes wrong, they're like, I didn't know it wasn't my job and it's not my responsibility. You know what? I'm sorry, but the buck has to stop somewhere. And the head coach is responsible for the culture. He's responsible for his own hires. You can't hire someone that, acts that way and not be somewhat responsible for it. So when I read the report, I thought that it, it went way too far in absolving DJ from a technical perspective of some of the responsibility. I, I look, I, I think that's, that's accurate. And I think it's an interesting point. My issue is more, I don't think abusive behavior is what led to this death or any sort of culture toxicity led to this death, right? Like if you read it, which I know you did is, you know, no, I had I didn't know that he had ADD and was on medication. And I'm guessing that maybe some of the trainers that were treating him didn't know or didn't assess the fact that that could have been what was leading to, uh, you know, what was leading to heat stroke, even though it wasn't particularly sure. hot outside, you know, or sure. that he From was a medical perspective. You're, you're probably right. Yeah. But, but yeah, there or, is a or, culture where he was only, um, you know, taken to the training room by two student trainers who didn't put him in the cold tub for fear that if he passed out, they wouldn't be able to get him out. Well, how, why is that? I would argue that that's actually the culture in play. 
because no one cares about somebody who they, they feel as if is slacking off, right? So that's where the culture did absolutely affect this instance. Now, from a medical perspective of what was happening inside of Jordan, I, would, I agree with you, you know, that this might have happened whether he was in the cold tub or not. But the, but the nonchalant care, I think, absolutely speaks to the culture. Who was dealing with him? Who was caring for him? And when he ultimately got the care that he needed, I think absolutely speaks to the type of culture and the type of environment that was going on during that conditioning practice. Joel Glad joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the team responds. Take on a Michigan State team that uh, that has had their own kind of tumultuous season. They went through some of this stuff off the field. Obviously, not a tragic death last year, but but they're you know they were they had their own issues off the field last year. Right. Um, playing at home, Matt Ken has actually done a, a really good job making them cohesive. They have a scuffle yeah. between punters yesterday, and that makes it onto social media. How do they play against Michigan State? Boy, I think this could go – I mean, I think that this is the ultimate pendulum. It's either going to be really good or really bad. I don't see them just coming out and being – you know, average. I, I, I really think this either totally galvanizes them or they completely fall apart. And I would lean towards fall apart, you know, with the way I, there is just too much pressure on these kids and too much focus on, on what's happening. And, and I can't even imagine what they're going through emotionally this week. You know, half the team wants the coach back, then they get what they want, then it's taken away from them. Half the team want them fired. They walk out of a meeting, now they're excited. That's not just like division. You know, who starts at quarterback can sometimes cause a divisive locker room. This locker room seems and, and is proving to be totally fractured. So it's either going to be one or the other. I think this is the ultimate A or F type of situation, and I would lean towards F, but you never know. All right, let's get to Kentucky, a team whose defense has been outstanding, and their offense did just enough and got one – uh, they got one mulligan last week so that they could beat Missouri on the road. What's the likelihood they upset Georgia? I don't think it's very likely at all. Their defense is outstanding. You're exactly right. Exactly right. And they've got a pass rusher named Josh Allen that's really, really good. He's going to be a, a really a, a high top prospect in the draft. He is sensational. The defense is sensational. Uh, no one's come close to running up a bunch of points on him. But Georgia found something last week. And they found something that made them great a year ago. Namely, it's their efficiency and ability to convert and score on third down. Three of their touchdowns happened on third down. Jake Fromm was sensational on third down. That's something that he was a year ago that was not quite the case during the course of this season. But he found that. And I think Georgia's defense is really good. The, the bottom line is this. Kentucky cannot throw the ball. And I don't think you can beat Georgia at all if you're one-dimensional on offense with Benny Snell and just have a great defense. I think Georgia wins. I think they win pretty handily and quite candidly. Of the, you know, there's probably, I would call it, six teams in the rankings that I think are just wildly overrated and overranked, and, and Kentucky is one of them, and I think that's going to be proven out this week. West Virginia takes on Texas. This is a, a Texas team that uh, just got thumped by Oklahoma State. Did come back, make it, make it a game in the second half. Uh, you'll be calling it on Fox. Of course, you get a chance to see Will Greer, one of the elite quarterbacks. And maybe, you know, I know they lost to Iowa State, but there's still a, a chance because they still have 
uh, a chance to match up with Oklahoma, not once, but potentially two games with, with Oklahoma or maybe two games with Texas up, upcoming. Uh, what are your thoughts on West Virginia and if they can fix what was wrong with them when they lost the names? Well, yeah, that Ames game was weird. I watched it on film, and one, you got to give Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones a lot of credit. They did a great job defensively forcing Will Greer to hold the ball, and I think you're going to see Texas try to do a lot of that tomorrow. I know I certainly would because Baylor was unable to do that, and they ran Baylor out of the building last Thursday night. I'm a bit worried for Texas in the sense that West Virginia played last Thursday night, and then Texas had that you know, barn burner of a game in Stillwater, uh, on Saturday night. So you're talking about a much shorter week for the Longhorns than, than for West Virginia, who played at home on Thursday against Baylor. Um, I, I will tell you that I, I think that West Virginia's defense is going to get their sternest test of the year thus far. Now, they did play Texas Tech, but remember Bowman got hurt in that game, and they didn't see Texas Tech at their best offensively. And so I think a Texas team that's averaging 31 points a game with Ellinger playing really well with those big, tall wide receivers on the outside, this is certainly going to be West Virginia's biggest test. Uh, and, and Texas plays very well at home. They're 4-0 at home. They beat USC. They beat TCU. They've taken care of business at home. And their defense uh, is pretty good. I think Will Greer is going to have to play his best with that good core, deep core of wide receivers around him uh, to win the ball game. Uh, I can't wait to watch it play out. I will tell you, I feel like we're going to be in for a high-scoring affair maybe a similar type of game that we saw Texas and Oklahoma State play last week. And, and you're right. I mean, Oklahoma State was unbelievable in the four, first quarter, 260 total yards, jump out to a 17-7 lead, make it 24-7 soon after in that second quarter, and Texas just didn't have enough to come back. They tried, got within three, but then made a couple of crucial mistakes. Uh, we caught a punt inside the 10-yard line. That backed them up. They punted the ball away after a holding call. And then Oklahoma State scored. So Texas is going to have to right that ship very quickly if they want to get a win. Penn State escaped last week against Iowa at home. And yeah. you know, they, they escaped the first week against App State at home. Uh, escaped against Indiana. Um, lost two close games. Michigan State at home. Ohio State at home. Now they travel on the road to take on Penn State. Uh, look, I, I, I know everybody likes Trace McSorley. And they got some talent out wide, especially a big big target like Juwan Johnson. But it feels like something's missing with this Penn State team. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. And I think what's missing is leadership on defense. They lost a lot of great players from a year ago, especially right down the middle, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, and safety. They don't have Saquon Barkley. They don't have Joe Moorhead. And they've actually overperformed to this point in the season to be at the point where they are, in my estimation. Trace McSorley is down 12% in his completion percentage. 12%. And they're facing a defense in Michigan that is, I got to tell you, I think hands down the best core defense in the country. They get after the passer, they stop the run, and then they are unbelievable against the pass. Penn State does not run the ball with any consistency, and you can't tell me that Trace McSorley is going to throw the ball against that defense in a year in which he's averaging 12% less in completion percentage and went on the road. You know, the last time Penn State lost badly was actually at Michigan two years ago in 2016. And since then, they've only lost five games. They've had the lead in the fourth quarter in all five of those games. I think we get another blowout. I actually think Doug Michigan off a bye rested with all those tight games that Penn State has played up to this point. I think Michigan beats them beats them soundly. I wouldn't uh, be shocked at all if this was a, a two-touchdown gap, if not more.
All right, let's get to the game of the week, maybe the game of the year. I remember it was the game of the century in 2011. Then they played again in the championship game. LSU, a prohibitive underdog, but it's under the lights in Baton Rouge. Coach O and, and, and Joe Burrows, but Joe Burrows is not your run-pass threat, right? That's not the type of quarterback that generally, generally gives Nick Saban problems. Can he give Nick Saban problems? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so at all. This is still a pretty good defense. They're number 10 in scoring defense. I know they haven't you know, played to the level that they've played at the last couple of years, but Bama's still very good on defense. And here's where it all boils down to for me. Even if LSU played outstanding defense, I'm talking about outstanding defense, I think Alabama offensively is to a point where Oklahoma has been over the last few years, which is, and Doug, you've seen this, you can play great on defense and they'll still score 35 points on you. Like, that's holding them down, right? Like, that's playing great. So you, if that's the case, which I certainly think is going to be the case, and that's what's giving credit to LSU, that means that Joe Burrow's got to score 38. I mean, do, do you think that's going to happen? I don't. No. I don't think that's going to happen. And so... People are always asking me, like, wow, you, can you believe that that spread is there? No, I, I can absolutely believe it. First of all, I think LSU is overrated, uh, quite frankly, because they don't play great on offense, and I think the middle of the SEC is a vastly overrated league. I know I get thrown under the bus a lot for that, but the middle is absolutely what I've said, and that's overrated by the media. Um, and that, that's who they've beaten. Um, so we'll see. I know that they beat Georgia. Georgia turned the ball over four times. If Alabama can hold on to the football, they're going to beat them by more than two touchdowns. Awesome stuff, Joel. Joel, safe travels to Austin. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, man. Talk to you soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 